Hey, I'm Jeff Bird, director of Leatherface, and you're watching Without Your Head. Very good to see anyway, you. Uh, where were we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Toxie's here. Oh, excellent. To answer all your questions. Excellent. I have uh, my go. own Toxic Avenger here. Oh, hey. Oh, that's the best. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not paint that. He's been on my Instagram several yeah. times and Twitter. Thank you. Yeah. It was a gift from a listener of the show. It was very nice. Oh, no kidding. Wow. So we're here for B Documentary 2. It's very good to have everybody here. We have the president of Troma, the creator of Toxic Avenger, Lloyd Kaufman, who just played us in. So wave and say hello. Thank you, Thank yes. you very much. <laughs> Hi, Angela. Hi, Lloyd. Hello. Yeah, hello. Lloyd. Mm -hmm. hello. Nick, Nick is here. Matthew Fisher. Whoa. What is this? Lloyd's K. Yeah, Gary Sherman is How here. How are you doing? Kevin Van Hentenrick, the whole gang is here. This is terrific. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Real quick. I haven't seen you in a long time, Lloyd. Yeah. What's oh. Gary, Gary and Lloyd, I haven't seen each other for a while, apparently. I don't, don't think so. Yeah. Right, hold on. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll put in uh, uh, earphones maybe, and uh, maybe I'll hear you better. Sorry. No worries. A little. I just got off a of, uh, Zoom from upstairs. I get you. Thank you for doing it. Everybody, everybody's Zooming. Everybody's Zooming. A little bit late. Zooming. It's a little better. I hear you fine. That's probably your Hey, thank you. James should be here too soon. I don't know. Oh, yeah, James Bolsano. James Gunn? Maybe. Yeah. Actually, Lloyd, make that happen. <laughs> Nah, James Balzano, he's he's what you want. James Gunn's very he's very yesterday. Balzano is he's, he's Balzano is the future. He's the future, but now trauma now. You have are you are you subscribed by the way to trauma now because trauma we're paying all our employees and we have no revenue except the trauma now. So any of you have a few New New, New Zealand. Uh, dollars uh, subscribe uh, it, uh, we have all these young new artists and uh, and uh, trauma is 47 years and uh, uh, we need help so please trauma fans out there subscribe to trauma now it's the future but now people like James Paul, Paul and Sama whatever his name is yeah right so subscribe otherwise there'll be no more trauma in the 47th year yeah, we can't have that. The clarinet, is that something you played for a long time, or did you just learn it during the uh, the pandemic? I haven't touched it for uh, 60 years, but uh, since the uh, pandemic started, uh, I figured I'd uh, share 
clarinets with anyone I could find in the street. (laughs) (laughs) Go from COVID-19 to (laughs) COVID-pro. Thank you. Thank you for laughing at that. (laughs) You're nice people. (laughs) Very nice people. Last time I saw uh, Kevin actually bought a ukulele um, up at Woodstock. I thought it'd be a cool place to buy one. I never learned how to play it, but uh, now's the perfect time for me to, to learn the ukulele. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's not a difficult instrument. And uh, the clarinet is very difficult. I, I spent years on it and gave up uh, 60 years ago. But um, uh, uh, Troma Now, uh, there's other uh, music. There's a thousand movies. There's a lot of music videos. Uh, you won't see James Balsamo, but um, <laughs> you'll see James Gunn. You'll see other people named James. Right, right. Rick James. What happened to Rick James? He was great. Rick James. Oh, Rick yeah, James. Rick James. He was, he Super was the best. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I am only interested in an artist named James. That's a, that's a rule that's I have. Yeah. So, uh, B Documentary 2, we're here to talk about. And clarinets. Great. We can talk about you know, great. whatever we're cool about. But, uh, you know, first of all, how, how would you, any of you guys define uh, what a B movie is? It's kind of a broad term, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that definition keeps changing. I think <laughs> I'm not sure I know what a B movie is today. Yeah, it's an anachronism. It's an anachronism. The same way that people use watches in Shakespearean plays, watches didn't exist. But um, uh, uh, there's no such thing as B movies anymore. Uh, they were assigned to a special to double features. There would be a, a right. color, a Technicolor, or a Cinemascope, or whatever, and then you'd have a a black and white uh, western or something to go with it, and that's yeah. where the B the B picture was was in fact that. And when I started with um, uh, 1974 with Troma, actually I started before that, but uh, uh, they would put our movies as B movies uh, occasionally with the bigger, uh, raunchier mainstream release, and uh, our movies would always do better in the theaters back in the 70s and the mainstream movie. Yep, Deathline was the same way, Lloyd, actually. Deathline started as the, the B-side of a double feature. And no by, the third, by the third day, they switched it around and made Deathline the main feature and the other, the other picture became the B-picture. Excellent, yeah. And then they dropped the other picture and they were running Deathline in both slots. That's because, right. Oh, hell yeah. Well, unfortunately, actually, yeah, go in on. Lo- in those days, we're talking film now, too. We're not talking digital. Right. You're talking Wait, did you 30, s- 35 millimeter prints. Yes, well, we tried. We started with 16 millimeter. I did, too. <laughs> 1960. In the 60s, yeah. I started with 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, once, uh, yep. once we moved to 35 uh, from uh, 70, 1971... Uh, we could compete because there were uh, there wasn't uh, the rules that prevent uh, uh, competition. Now you competi- There is no competition. It's all owned by the uh, the, the mainstream. The yeah, mainstream. it's a, a lot different. We all used to shoot sixteen and then liquid gated up to thirty five. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we we moved to thirty five in uh, the early seventies, but um, now uh, it's uh, much better, of course, with the DP, DCPs. But now the theaters don't uh, uh, cooperate anymore. Was uh, uh, was thirty five millimeter? 
35 millimeter better than 16? Was it more expensive or did it have a different yes. look? Yeah, yeah a lot more expensive, oh. but it looked, it looked better. And um, what the heck, uh, you know, we, in, in those days, we made 100 prints at a time once we got successful. Yeah, well, we make 135 millimeter prints and get 2,000 screens. Uh, Toxic Avenger, class of Newcomb High, uh, the, for 20 years we were uh, in demand, but unfortunately the, the whole industry became consolidated and the rules that used to protect the public against monopoly have been done away with. And now you've got uh, FCC in the United States, Federal Communications Commission, uh, has vowed to get rid of net neutrality. So we're all a major fucked. And that's why we started uh, Troma Now five years ago as a streaming service because Amazon and uh, Google were already demonetizing you and me and uh, censoring, asking us to change our titles and censor our movies. So uh, we migrated to Troma Now and there's over a thousand movies there uh, and shorts and documentaries and music videos as well as make your own damn movie uh, lessons. So, uh, Angela, uh, tune in. The first month is free, Angela. Okay. <laughs> Troma Now. Yeah. Troma Now. Uh, and yeah, it's a good dating app, too. Actually, people... <laughs> they're all uh, the, the well, subscribers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, She's my woman, by the way, Lloyd. You know this already. Yeah, I know that. That's Maybe why I'll tell you guys met on Troma Now. I, 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 Troma's got a dating app now? You throw yeah. my woman in there? <laughs> well, you meet other... You meet cinephiles, you know, people... People who really love movies and uh, who are desperate. I mean, who. Uh, <laughs> who uh, <laughs> I'm signing who, up now after you mentioned Who love that. Neil Jones. <laughs> Neil Jones and Truman now. There you go. But I mean, uh, Lloyd. Oh, back, back, back to the B about... uh, documentary. The B yeah. documentary. Let's yeah. go back. Yeah, well, uh, since uh, the veteran uh, filmmakers talked about, you know, what a B, the origins of B movie, what is like, uh, you know, Matt and Nick and Angel, what does B movie mean to you? Because probably it's a totally different meaning. Uh, well, I'll go first just because I want everybody to know that like B documentary wasn't about people making B movies. Um, I made, I wanted to make a documentary. Lloyd jumped on right away and um, it was more, I'm making documentary. I'm not making a B movie. So I knew if I didn't, if I wasn't a publicity whore, uh, Al Sharpton would move in on you. Why do all these celebrities? What do all these celebrities have to do with uh, James George's funeral? Why are they there? They didn't even know him. Uh, it's really bizarre. Anyway, go on. Nick. Yeah. Oh Sorry. yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, no, but I mean, with the the whole documentary thing, I wasn't making a B movie. It's not about people making B movies. No. This documentary of what I did was just, it's a B documentary because I couldn't afford to make it a, a gigantic budget. But that was the title that, that stayed with it, and that's how it is. A, a, well, a lot a of good people, title. everybody here right now or, or involved, you know, you guys have done a lot of mainstream movies, not just B movies, you know. I, I wouldn't even call anything, anything B movies, but, but mine's a B documentary. And that's why the, that's the title. Well, it's got us talking. The title <laughs> has it's it's big it's here. Really We're all talking. So, B what, movies. What B was movie the origin of the title then? I know you wanted to make a documentary, but why use uh, why use B documentary? Oh, I don't know. It just it just seemed like it was right. It was. I couldn't think of anything else. I came up with crap like kings and queens of horror and and movie like you know like I just came up with all the shit and B documentary was the one that that stuck with it. Yeah. 
not because people made B movies. Oh, just, that's totally fine. I'm just you know, curious. And uh, well, did the name did that? Uh, did anyone uh, like? I don't want to be in a movie called a documentary called B documentary because of uh, the, the B. Um. No. No. Actually. I mean, anybody that backed out, um, a lot of people are really busy and they, they couldn't get involved. Uh, there were a couple of people that we had a couple issues, but nothing nothing because of uh, for being involved with B-movies, no. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when uh, Lord was talking about 35mm, 16mm, and now you know, everything's uh, digital, um, how, how did that affect uh, uh, trauma when things moved to digital? Or just any of you guys, you know, maybe? Well, I think the, um, the, the, the thing that really helped us was the fact that the multi-screened uh, movie theaters came into vogue in the late 60s, early 70s, and uh, there was a shortage of, uh, of decent, uh, entertaining movies, and the studios, the big studios were making the garbage. They, uh, they were making, they were stuck in a rut, basically, so we uh, were able to do very well. And then video cassette came in, and since we had uh, in those days uh, over a hundred negatives, um, suddenly uh, people were taking us to lunch because they needed movies to go on HBO and and uh, fill up the stores, uh, the shelves. You know, anything that moved uh, would uh, be welcome in the uh, video stores. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think more than anything else, the the advent of VHS changed everything for us as filmmakers i think that that that, that was a revolution that that just changed things completely um the the whole home video market and uh and, and you know and, and television but um you know the the phosphorus screen made all the difference in the world and then as you know di- digital Digital changed a lot of things, but um, uh, and, and now with with the internet, I mean everything is completely different. It's a completely different kind of distribution system. Uh, Kevin, how did because um, you know you made uh, basket case movies, you know which I love, and then uh, you haven't necessarily made a lot of stuff lately. You've been uh, carving stone. Which is very cool. I've, I've learned the ancient art of stone covering. How did you get involved in being documentary? Uh, Nick, uh, Nick was at a con that I was at. Wasn't that it, Nick? Yeah, um, it was a CT Horror Fest uh, in Connecticut. Right, right. No, was it Connecticut? Yeah, that no, well, Jersey. yes. When I when, no, when I first met Kevin. Um, My bad. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, uh, we met at CT Harvest, and um, I had uh, tapes. This is a made great show, by the way. That's a great show, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is really a great show. Uh, James Balsamo was there. Had, like Ben Chapman, who played Creature from the Black Lagoon. I think George, yeah, George yeah. Romero yeah. was there too. This was 2016, and uh, we had. I was like four tables down from you. We met, and. Um, you know, while the talks were to get another B documentary too, I I definitely hit you up, and you were all aboard. And we we actually Angela and I drove to New Jersey to to film you and Lynn Lowry as well. Who I discovered. I discovered Lynn Lowry. Battle of Love's Return, nineteen seventy. Earlier, <laughs> then we made sugar cookies with uh, Lynn Lowry and Mary Warren, and she's back. 
Yeah. Along those lines, what, what do you look for, you know, uh, for with Lynn Lowry, I, I tried to come on to her. But I could have <laughs> if only Chroma Dow was around, then you could have uh, hooked up with her on the uh, on the dating app. Uh, well, uh, you're right. Chroma now and uh, cool. Uh, uh, I was uh, invited. My uh, uh, my classmate at Trinity School became the son-in-law of, of uh, Richard M. Nixon, president of the United States of America. And when uh, he got when the son-in-law got married. Uh, Ed Cox, I was invited uh, to a, uh, an affair in New York to which I took uh, Lynn Lowry. And uh, I sort of uh, did one of these things. Well, she was sitting next to me, and I was like, stretch it, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And she curled her lip and, so, uh, that was the end of that. If you read my, I, I talk about it in uh, my first book, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking. I learned I from... Book. The Good Toxic book. Avenger. Well, thank you. Uh, my first, <laughs> the first book I wrote, by the way, was written by James Gunn. Uh, yeah. Uh, right around the time uh, he wrote Romeo and Juliet. It's a, it's a good book. Yeah. yeah. Very funny. Of no use uh, practically, but it's extremely amusing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a use. That's a use. Uh, some people could say the same thing about me, I guess. Except for the funny part. Oh, yeah. you're a national treasure. Now. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate the lines. Definitely. Time. Thank you. Uh, Matthew Fisher, like a, yeah, a yeah. producer. And we, um, sure. What's cool about the documentary, you have you know veteran actors who who have been uh, veteran filmmakers, you know, who made stuff from the 70s on, and then we have younger people and stuff. So what, what inspired you to make movies, and how did you get involved in the documentary, too? Uh, well, I was always just a film fan in general. And um, in my, like, late teens, we came to, like, this place where we, we realized we could start, you know, making them. And, uh, you know, we owe a lot to Lloyd and Froma because, you know, you see, you know, like, Toxic Avenger was big for me as a youth, because you know you could you could it showed you that you didn't need a million dollars to make like an entertaining film so with that we went into uh you know just starting to gather on the weekends with friends and family sometimes and just putting together shorts and kind of figuring out like di the dynamic of you know making something and um just kind of grew from there you know and to go to the go back to the b doc thing i, I consider I consider like B movies almost like underground films where you, people would, people would, you know, call like a big Hollywood film an A, like an A movie, even though they're not, you know what I mean? And then more underground films would be B. But, you know, the underground films are the films that are kind of the most enjoyable and uh, there's no rules to them. They're real punk rock. And, you know, I think a lot of, at that age, a lot of people go to those films because, you know, the same way they go to like, a punk rock band or whatever because they're 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 raucous and 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 fresh and raw and you know just really really fun so you know i think that's kind of the spirit of the uh the b movie yeah very yeah. true matthew good point the uh, audiences uh, uh the uh the audiences for what uh, for what the uh, mainstream want to call exploitation films that's yeah. a way to put us in the ghetto put us in the back of the <laughs> bus right yeah. it's a bullshit term uh, exploitation film is a film that has uh, uh, Lady Gaga in it because they're exploiting Lady Gaga, but that's an A film, right? Yeah. Exploitation is every film is exploiting something. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have Tom Cruise and you can't spend an obscene $40 million on one bullshit actor uh, and you only have 200000 
that maybe you're going to exploit the Toxic Avenger or you're going to exploit <laughs> Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD yeah. or uh, uh, exploit the nudity uh, uh, in uh, men uh, and maybe even women, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's ridiculous. To, the, the problem is the, the mainstream tries to uh, uh, cut us off at the, uh, at the knees with all sorts of horseshit like the MPAA rating board and, and then they, uh, they, uh, they muffle, muzzle the... Uh, Trade papers like Variety and Hollywood Reporter, which are basically uh, company newspapers for the big uh, monopolies, uh, oligopoly rather, and uh, we don't exist. We're like uh, Russian dissidents. They take away the passport. We simply don't exist. Uh, the word trauma, even though we've been around for, uh, this was my 50th year of making movies. Uh, all right. All right. Well, well thank you. <laughs> but Troma's left a fairly good footprint on the countryside, yet I don't believe there has been one word about that in any of these so-called media publications, not even in New York, where we've uh, made our movies for, for 40, or I've made movies for over 50 years here in New York City, and not a peep in any New York publication or New York media or anything. So it shows you the grip, the, uh, what is Troma... Uh, Trump likes to call, he uses the word domination a lot. Uh, the majors have dominated the media. And I think a lot of the reason we're having all these riots is because the major newspapers, uh, when they come up with stuff, they, they come up with it 25 years too late. Uh, New York Times, definitely, limousine liberals, right? They supported the Nazis. They wouldn't let the Jews in. Finally, now the New York Times gets it, but it took them a long time. They, the New York Times came out against Martin Luther King. I was there. I, I was a cogent at the time. He made a speech about how Vietnam War was a way to kill black people. And, he, and the New York Times excoriated him, excoriated him for it. And now, of course, uh, because uh, they're worried about the protesters might come and smash their limousines, the editors of the New York Times are suddenly on board with the, oh, yeah, we've got to solve this. And, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You know? Anyway, I'm just a bitter old man. A hey. bitter old man. Nah, you got it. <laughs> you know what? Who's Lloyd, been very we, lucky. Very lucky. Been... Lloyd, we lived through it all, and so you you get a good reason to be bitter. I mean, it's like when Trump Trump goes to Ford and starts talking about what a great man Henry Ford was. <laughs> <laughs> a great well, man, right? Are you going to settle what, what for it? Biden? Hashtag settle for Biden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, used to be uh, we had hashtag my daughter's friends made a, a funny documentary when uh, 2016 and they made up T-shirts uh, hashtag Cephal for Hillary. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, uh, she didn't win. But uh, anyone could have won. If Bernie would have won and changed the world. We wouldn't have all this mess. I never realized the documentary too would be so political right now. Yeah, well, well it's, a, it's a good a good symptom of where we are, right? Yeah. I mean, trauma gets pushed more and more and more down into the underground, and uh, we don't exist. Uh, luckily, we have a uh, you know maybe a million fans once a month who visit our sites and give us a few breadcrumbs on which to survive. And you know, I don't know how we make it. We're paying everybody now, but. Uh, Unless we get a lot more subscribers, uh, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be hard to get to the other end of this uh, tunnel or this trauma movie in which we are all dwelling at present. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, kind of like what uh, what he was just saying there, Nick, about uh, you know, B documentary. He didn't know it was political, but uh, I mean, trauma movies. Is is it hard to uh, to to make a movie where it's both you you want to say something? I mean, all trauma movies have a lot of po political uh, messages in them and social commentary. But also, at the same time, you want to make a movie that people 
or is just going to be entertained on some level too. So to, to balance those two Precisely. things out. Very important. Yeah, if it's if a perfect example is uh, Fast Food Nation. The the movie was boring, and it only it didn't talk to anybody except a, a certain number of uh, sort of bourgeois. Uh, whereas the uh, Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead, uh, which was an anti fast food uh, movie, uh, had a much bigger audience and and, and, and influenced young that. people. Right, influenced a lot of young people who look, and and I think it may have had a little bit of effect. Well, certainly the McDonald's makes noise about having healthy salads and things yeah. now, and they're, they're moving away from uh, the, the the fast food and the factory farms and having more uh, local meat and uh, and also a lot of uh, they're moving into the uh, the fake meat. Uh, I'm vegetarian and. Uh, They've also just, uh, they've just um, eliminated the need for uh, the theory of origin to be printed on the package of meat. They eliminated the what? The, um, the, the need for them to label the country of origin of the meat is gone. So if I have some bat soup, uh, I can't get it from <laughs> Connecticut. I mean, I, it could be uh, made in Connecticut or New Jersey and not uh, New York. No, yeah, no. the bat leak is really good. God damn yeah, it. You but, see, yeah. that's the thing. And by the way, while we're all uh, huzzahing about uh, hashtag, uh, you know, while we're all excited and rioting and putting up black uh, spots on our Instagram, uh, there's, there, uh, where's all the billions of dollars that uh, went into the pockets of uh, – the labor elite, the bureaucratic elite, and the corporate elite. We didn't get any of it. I, I have friends who've been waiting two months to get certified for uh, for uh, unemployment insurance. Two months, they haven't got a paycheck. Uh, and they still are waiting for a certification. Well, one of them got the certification. Now all he needs is a check. But the point is, we got rat fucked, and uh, it's our money. And where's has Biden made any noise about transparency and getting we should have a list of everybody who got more than a than a ten thousand bucks <laughs> we didn't even get that yeah. right Trump's been around. our bank J, uh, we've been with uh, uh, um, uh, jp morgan chase bank for first trauma began in 1974 we couldn't even get the get a uh, the ppe or whatever you call it we didn't get any pee-pee. We got a lot of duty. Uh, and, uh, I noticed uh, the big billionaire, the billionaire class, who have just started well. a new chain yeah. of. Uh, uh, they've done. They start a new chain of uh, of uh, fast food stores called Looters. Get it, Looters, yeah. billionaires. Looters. Yeah, and it's not just the billionaires. It's the corporations, the bureaucrats who are in Senate. Who are in the Senate? Uh, how many of them are 70, 80 years old? Get rid of them. Get them out of yeah. there. Put in term limits. This stuff will go away immediately. Newark has had no violence. Newark was the the the, the hot the, the the champion for violence and murder in the sixties. They've got a mayor, Baraka, uh, son of a of a playwright, uh, you know, radical. But he's changed Newark, and the cops there are, are getting along, and they're not. Uh, they've been defunded, I think, slightly. Uh, and they should be defunded more, but there's been no violence there because you have a mayor who's doing something instead of this bullshit mayor in Atlanta who's got a piece in the New York Times today about, oh, I have to worry about my son and I'm black and I'm blah, blah. Well, fuck you. Why didn't you do something when you got elected? You've been <laughs> in for, uh, if you're in for more than, you should do it immediately, yeah. right? Immediately, right? The first thing Hillary did, and I have to commend her for it, uh, when she was uh, uh, 
she wasn't elected, but she thought she was. She, she fought for uh, universal health care immediately. It was like the first week or two she started yapping about it. Good yeah. for her. And where's, uh, where are these mayors, all of them uh, beating their breasts? They have, they, 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 they have city councils. They have their own organizations. Defund the cops. Very simple. Right. Have have a do follow what Baraka did in in uh, Newark. Would you They've see what Garcetti's what Garcetti's doing in Los Angeles? He well, changed his whole it's budget. Not working. It doesn't seem to be working in Los Angeles. Well, it, it, I mean, it's just happening now. He just made a whole new announcement about. Yeah. Well, it budget. took him. He's, how long has he been in? <laughs> you know, what, the, about the, two years. Yeah, fuckers. They're all full of shit. He's got the hair. He's got the $60 haircut, but that's about all I see there. <laughs> and the guy in Santa Cruz, maybe the, the sheriff there or the cop, the main cop, the police chief, <laughs> he seems to be on track for something good. But, I mean, it's disgraceful. They, yeah, now the, everybody's the, the, uh, jumping on the bandwagon, which is chief, good. The yeah. chief of police in Flint, Michigan, boy, what he did was just unbelievable. What did he do? I mean, he joined the he joined the protesters, and he and he brought all the police with him. There is, hasn't been a, a bit of violence at all yeah. in Flint, Michigan. Well, Michael Moore is in Flint, Michigan. So no, well, Michael yeah. lives in Traverse City now. He does. He's oh. from Flint, but he lives in Traverse City. Oh, okay. So not far from where I am right now. Nice, nice. Yep. By the way, that was a good good intro here. James Balsamo has uh, joined us. Hi, James. Up, James? Hey, hey, James. Everybody. Hello, James. I, I sure walked into a shit show, huh? That was a fun <laughs> welcome. Yeah, great great timing, James. Yeah. Great timing. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Troma's latest movie uh, is called Hashtag Shakespeare Shit Storm. So, uh, uh you're in the right place, maybe. <laughs> well... James, how did you get involved in a, in B documentary two? How did I get involved in what? B documentary part two. Uh, through Nick Charles, mm -hmm. I was uh, honored to be asked. So thank you. Very good. Oh, thank you. Thanks, James. Did a great job, and then we did some of his uh, com He did some um, comedy skits that we left at the end of like. Uh, really, I didn't know James was into uh, comedy skits. Oh, you just know this. <laughs> that was a very serious actor. Yeah. So, so the movie's out now, and it's got all these uh, handsome faces in it? I'm not in it, but... Oh, well, Neil's well, in part three. You will be on the third right. one. Yeah. I am in the third one, right. He thought I was the Neil Jones from Dirty Dancing, and then he found out he got the wrong guy, <laughs> and he didn't want to cut me yeah, off. You, um, that was so wrong of you to do that, by the way. But... <laughs> But well, you're in it. You're going to be in it. Yeah. Uh, uh, James is going to do the introduction, right, James? What, you're going to do the introduction for uh, B Documentary Part 3. Yeah. Yeah. Looks <laughs> I think he's just now finding out. He just found out. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Actually, uh, all right, so well, how about, well, sorry, please, can you do it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Good. <laughs> you know, Lloyd's rant came in perfectly. Everybody is like cutting in and out now. That's. Oh, I see. I see. I have. It's working fine on my end, but perhaps. Uh, oh, okay. Up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I well, can hear. Uh, 
I can hear everything. It's working beautifully. I can hear you talk. Yeah. Well, how about Gary? Uh, uh, I know we talked uh, off air about uh, about um, Nick and Angela meeting him at the Brookline. So did you? Remember yeah. That? Well, Man, yes. I, I, was, I was I was in I was there at Coolidge to to sh- we were doing a tour um, for the new Deathline Blu-ray, and I was just walking through the lobby of my hotel when they grabbed me and dragged me into a conference room off the lobby <laughs> <laughs> and started and started filming me with a broken camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so what's going on here? <laughs> So then you're but, like, oh, definitely we'll do this. I'll definitely be part of this. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. It was great to be kidnapped and then put on camera. Uh-huh. I thought I was going to have to motto. say things, you know. I thought I was going to have to give my ransom note. <laughs> <laughs> A video ransom note. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's what that's what uh, B documentary was to me. It was a, a ransom oh, video right. note. Yeah. I'm rethinking my involvement in the third it one now. It's like, you know, when you get captured and they put you, they put you on the video <laughs> camera and you have to say, America's a terrible place. And, uh-huh. and, and, and you know, <laughs> we shouldn't well, be doing what we're doing. That's not a B documentary, too. You didn't say that, B documentary. <laughs> it was on, it's in the B roll. <laughs> it's in the director's cut. In the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the story with the broken camera? All right. So, uh, like, all right. I had the camera that I used for B documentary, and I'm sitting there with Matt. Angela's behind me, and Matt just kind of like shrugged my shoulder, like hit me a couple of times, and then he kind of pointed at the the part where it tells you where the battery is, and it was like on red. And we were just in with, I think it was the first question and half, like through halfway through the second question. And it just, it crapped the bed. Luckily with Angela's phone, we filmed it and it sounded so much better. It looked so much better than the camera used. So <laughs> luckily it all worked out. I was so embarrassed. I was like, we got Gary Sherman here and I got to film him on a fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> what are you working on now, Gary? What am I worried? I don't you have a, something in the works. I did have until the coronavirus hit. I had like lots of projects going, and everything's just like ah. Mm. But what you know? Um, Any one of favorites? Favorite one? Well, yes, but I, I you know what? I, I can't really talk about that Ooh. one. But I, oh it's yeah, very James close. Balsamo will do it before <laughs> you even it. write it. He will well, steal it. He'll do it before you write it. <laughs> True. Now let's, so he's, let's, let's he's that good. Way. He is that good. You know, I learned everything unlike, from you. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. The, the very rare thing that happens is that I actually own the, the rights to Deathline. I own the underlying rights to Deathline, which is something that never happens anymore. But, um, and I've been asked about 10 million times to do a remake of Deathline. And like, well, Guillermo del Toro said to me, you remake Deathline, I kill you. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't need to be remade. And I don't want to remake it. But somebody came up with the idea of doing Deathline as a television series. Hmm. 
and oh, we are cool. we are really cool. dealing with that at the moment uh and um and it's funny because last last week i get a an email from Netflix asking me if I'd like to sell the rights to Deathline because they'd like to develop it as a television series. And I said, too late. <laughs> so they said, well, call us when you're ready. So we will. Hmm. We'll call Netflix when we're ready. But, um, and I've been just doing other, you know, I've been, I've been traveling around doing um, uh, a lecture or a, a master class about this, this the practical effects of Poltergeist three, which, you know, we did all the, all the effects in Poltergeist three are practical. So, and practical effects are really where it's at in a horror Horror mm -hmm. shouldn't be digital effects. Horror should be practical effects. So I put together a masterclass about it and I've been traveling. I've been doing it at universities and film festivals all over the world until the coronavirus hit. So right now we're actually working on setting it up as a, as a zoom and as a zoom webinar. So I hope to be online pretty soon with, um, with the master class, which will limit each class to like a hundred people so that I can actually talk to everyone and answer questions yeah. like I do when we do it live. Right. Yeah. So, and I always think I for, you know, uh, practical effects, like the weights there, which you don't have the weight, like even if you don't notice, like I think your eyes notice, your brain notices like the weight's not there in, in digital or uh, in, uh, you know, CGI. And I, and I also have a theory that, like even bad practical effects are fun and have like a charm to them where bad uh, yeah. CG is just bad and it's not necessarily entertaining. Well, I mean, Poltergeist. And I'm not saying that yours is bad. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Poltergeist three, they're all magic tricks. Basically it's, it's, it literally is I smoke see, and mirrors. Neil just, Neil, maybe just screwed up. <laughs> well, I just, I was just trying to, I wouldn't have clarified. I don't think I was uh, insulting them. Either. Well, when you get off of this, go watch Poltergeist three. Oh, I've seen Poltergeist. Yeah, <laughs> I, love, I love Poltergeist three. I love it. I, it. It's really good one. And um, I, I I looked up on it, and there's so many cool stories about it. Um, I don't know. Like, so are you doing? You're doing a documentary about Poltergeist three. Sorry, I didn't. No, Gary, are you doing? Are you, is there going to be a documentary about Poltergeist three? Well, I mean, I'm doing this. Uh, I've been just doing the master class. I don't know if there's going to be a documentary. Oh, okay. But no, because I, I read up on, on a lot of stuff about it. And there's so much interesting stuff that I think I think a lot of people should hear it or see it. Well, I we'll have to call Alexander. I have to call Alexander Philippe and get him to. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. I've, I've got to uh, ring off. Uh, All right. That, uh, well, I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you doing this and playing the clarinet. Clarinet uh, in for us. Well, yeah. uh, I I, play, I have to go out and overturn some police cars. Okay. But I can play the uh, <laughs> clarinet uh, briefly for you and uh, play myself out if you'd like. Uh, Stay safe, Floyd. Stay yeah, safe. I've got this. I've got this amazing uh, mask that allows me to go outside and applaud the workers <laughs> every day at seven o'clock for a clarinet, and uh, it allows me to breathe and play the clarinet, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the protest. It's very essential. <laughs> Thank you.
know what that is? Hey. <laughs> That's Prokofiev, gentlemen and ladies. Ladies and gentlemen, Prokofiev from Peter Prokofiev. and the Wolf. Mm. Cat. And uh, he used to be called Prokofman-esque, but uh, no more. Anyway, thank you very much. And uh, Stay uh, safe, Lloyd. It's good yeah. to, good to see you. Thanks again. Take care, Lloyd. Thank you. Thank you. Keep, making those, uh, keep making those movies and uh, power to the well. people. Right. Give art back to the people. That's what I Power say. Thank you. Bye. Bye. James, uh, you, Neil, do you... I was just... Uh, Andrew. Um, oh, sorry. I just wanted to ask, um, is Glenn, like, supposed to be on? He, he's supposed to be on, yes. Yeah, I I'm, I, I sent uh, everyone the link. Uh, I knew some people I didn't hear back from. Uh, okay, just making sure. Yeah. Wow. It's all right. Hey, though. listen, as long as... Lloyd was promoting stuff. I'll promote. Of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'm actually, I didn't notice he was promoting as, anything. I'm, as as you guys as you guys well know, I love working with young filmmakers and helping young filmmakers out. And um, and what I've decided to do is actually to start reading scripts. People ask me to read scripts all the time and I say no because otherwise I'd have 10 million scripts to read. And also nobody nobody cares what you say if, if it's for free. And I've decided to set up a little thing where I will read people's scripts and then do a Zoom talk with them about their script instead of writing because a lot of people say they're reading their script and they have a bunch of interns doing it. Mm -hmm. But I will read the script myself, and I will call you, and we'll talk for half an hour. And I'm going to charge for it. Mm -hmm. But I, what, what I'm, what, what I'm going to do with the money is use the money for political purposes. Um, and everybody knows my politics are fairly far to the left, so that's where the money is going to go. Um, and so anyways, anybody's interested in me reading their script, just email me at talk at GaryShermanFilms.com. So. Cool. I like it. Yeah. And what is the program called? Scripts for people? Uh, no, it's just talk. I mean, it's <laughs> just, it's just talk. It's just, I want to help people with their scripts and I want them to take it seriously and there'll be a nominal fee and, and I will read their script and, and talk to them for half an hour on the phone about what I thought about the script. It's a nice idea. So, and they'll know they're talking to me. <laughs> so, did, did so you anybody, yourself, it could be did, young filmmakers, it could be yeah. old filmmakers, whoever yeah. wants to talk about their script, yeah. I'm willing to do that. Yeah. So, so did that you I have... can throw lots of money at my political candidates this November. I, I, I approve that as well. So did you, uh, did you have someone like that yourself? Like a, a veteran uh, filmmaker or anybody who, who helped you out when you were getting into, uh, into filmmaking? Well, no, I mean, I, you know, I worked with a whole bunch of different people. Well, actually Jay Cantor was really my mentor. I mean, Jay Cantor, who at one time was like the biggest agent in Hollywood. Um, as you probably know, he, he actually was the executive producer on, on Deathline, and he's the one who really gave me my shot, and he has mentored me. But he kept introducing me to people. It's, I mean, uh, it, you know, I, <laughs> when I was in pre-production on Deathline, I met God. 
to me who I thought was God, who was this little Polish guy named Roman Polanski. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, it, was, it was an amazing. I hired Jeff Foote, who was one of the you know great British film editors to do Deathline. And uh, I mean, Jeff, the first picture, the first picture Jeff did as an, as an assistant editor was Jamaica Inn with Hitchcock. So, I mean, he had quite a, a, a track record. And when I, when I hired him, he was doing a picture out at, at, I think it was at Pinewood studio. So I drove out from London to Pinewood to meet him and have lunch with him. And I got there and he was having lunch with Alistair McIntyre who is one of the other great British film editors. And I said to Alistair, oh, what are you working on? And he says, oh, I'm doing Macbeth. When my mouth dropped open and I said, Roman Polanski's Macbeth. And he said, you know any other Macbeth that's shooting at the moment? <laughs> Anyways, I said, oh my God, you're working with Roman. He said, well, he's going to be here in about two minutes because we're having lunch. And um, anyways, in comes Roman Polanski, sits down at the table with us. And and anyway, they didn't leave. We all sat together and I got to talk to Roman Polanski for an hour and a half about being a film director and, and also working with Donald Pleasance because, you know, Roman had worked with Donald many times. And um, uh, it was truly amazing. And, um, uh, and, when we were in the production office doing pre-production on Deathline upstairs, Robert Altman was preparing a picture and Jay, Jay introduced me to Altman. And here's the best thing. Altman comes and he said, puts his arm around me and takes me into a corner and says, so you're directing your first picture, huh? I said, yeah. He said, I'm going to give you the real secret, the real secret of being a film director. Oh yeah. What's that? You know, I'm like, I'm 25 years old and I'm, you know, here's Robert Altman. And he says, here's the real secret. He says, just stand there and make them think, you know what the fuck you're doing. (laughs) And that was, you know what? That was the best piece of advice. Uh And it's absolutely true, man. You just got to fool everybody into thinking, you know, what the, what the fuck you're doing. And (laughs) and that's it. But, you know, and Jeff Foote, who had cut all the early Bond films and boom, I mean, he was just such an incredible teacher for me. It's funny when we were, when we were setting up to start, to start post-production, I said, okay, Jeff, how do you want to do this? And he says, no, 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 you're the boss. You tell me. And I said, wait a minute, you've cut more pictures than I've seen, you know, uh-huh. in my whole life. And he says, no, 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 I'm going to learn from you. And, and that was his attitude. He said, when I stop learning, I'm going to quit. And, and that in itself was a lesson. And then he would just say things to me that he said, you know what? He said, when once your camera's rolling he said give it a moment before you say action and when you're finished with the scene count to 10 before you say cut and he says you you're going to be uh, you'll be bowled over by how much of that footage you're going to end up using and you know what he was absolutely right he was absolutely right to give that little pause at the end instead of cutting immediately 
or yeah. you know or, or letting the, letting the scene go and actually eventually i learned i would write a couple of extra lines at the beginning of a scene and a couple extra lines at the end of the scene which i knew i wasn't going to use but it allows a continuity and elasticity to the to to every you know to every scene and um I, I just learned, and another thing that, that Jeff taught me, which was amazing, he said, okay, this is something I learned from Hitchcock, he told me. He said, always let them know the gun's in the drawer. You got that? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, the secretary comes in and says, uh, Mr. Jones, Mr. Smith is here to see you. And he says, okay, give me a minute open the drawer, take out the gun, make sure it's loaded, put the gun back in the drawer, and now the guy comes in. Now you've set attention for the scene. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know the gun was in the drawer, the scene would have no tension, but right. you know the gun's in the drawer. Yeah. And plus and, it you seems know, like a cop out then if someone just pulls out a gun. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I mean, that's it's just, it's just a, a phrase, but, you know, when you think about it, it really helps you in, in trying to set up scenes and, and you know, so I, I was very lucky. And then, you know, I mean, I hired Alex Thompson, Oscar winning DP to shoot Deathline. So on my first picture, it was like going to film school. I was surrounded by people who knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And then I just had to sit there like Robert Altman told me and pretend that I knew what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and what can I say? You know, nearly 50 years later, people are still watching Deathline. So, yeah. um, and uh, it, it led me into a career that I'm very proud of. Should be. So, now, uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Kevin, uh, someone, a friend of mine on Facebook told me that you're, uh, that they just signed you to be uh, their lead in their new movie. Maybe you don't even know either. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to a couple of people right now. Yeah. Um, everybody wants to do Basket Case 4. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course. You have a continuing story. Mm -hmm. Which I know you've been. I think you have a story you that you wrote or, or an idea anyway for Basket Case Four. I mean, you're talking about the whole thing with remakes. Yeah. I like the idea of a continuing story. I do too. Because characters, yeah. you know, if you have characters that you've established and people are interested in, mm -hmm. well, what the hell are they up to now? You know. I agree. I think that's yeah. what uh, like the Phantasm franchise is so cool. It's over so many decades, and it had you know all the key players were still involved. You know, yeah. it wasn't a rebooted or anything. Yeah, but you know what? That, the television's doing that for us. Yeah, they they bring back all these, shows that have been all these for great years. series. That, I mean, you can take anything to series now. I mean, and it's great. I mean, you know, you take an idea. And you go week after week after week, or show after now. It's, it's show after show after show. You just binge them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just amazing. I mean, you take like Ozark. Ozark could have been a single movie, but instead, you know, here we are in the third season of it, and it's absolutely, and it just keeps growing. Or, you know, Breaking Bad is the best example ever. Yeah. Of that I mean, Breaking Bad could have been a one-time feature film. Mm -hmm. Instead, it was a, a show that went on for what eight years. Yeah. Eight now seasons. we almost have a continuation of that same show. Uh, you know, with Better Call Saul. Yeah, Better. Call, I can't wait for the next season of Better no, Call Saul. Me neither. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I love it. I, I mean, Breaking Bad into into Better Call Saul is just amazing, mm-hmm. and it just uh, it's it's incredibly well done. I mean, just in, it, the writing is fantastic. It's beautifully shot. The acting is superb. The characters are great. Um, I can't think of anything bad to say about it. Can anybody? I, no, I've had uh, independent, uh, you know, filmmakers on the show, and they told me that that's really the future of what you should try to make is a, is a series because there are so many platforms that need uh, that need content, and and a series obviously takes up more content than an hour and a half movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly why we're trying to set up Deathline as a as a series. I mean, you know, there's a lot of story there. The the, yeah. the story started in 1880 and goes to 1972. Well, a lot happened between 1880 and 1972. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And with the with so many platforms, um, I think it opens up uh, to to more like uh, niche uh, uh, things. Like even Breaking Bad, I don't think when there was only three networks, they probably ever would have made a show about like a, a meth dealer. That probably just wouldn't happen. But since he had, there's so many different, you know, places <laughs> out there. Arrow, it's yeah. like, hey, we'll give this a chance because you know it's not going to be on NBC or some, but we'll give it a chance over here on our on our network on our uh, you know pay cable or basically. Yeah, well, AMC took a took a real shot at it, and mm-hmm. AMC is, uh, you know, they're really great at doing at doing series about antiheroes. I mean, you know. I mean, you had you had Breaking Bad, which was <laughs> about a meth dealer, and and Mad Men, where you never you didn't like a single character in the show. Uh-huh. Every yeah. character in the show was an asshole, <laughs> <laughs> and yet you came back and watched it every week. Definitely. So, uh, James, what's going hey. on? Yeah, James. Jimmy. Can you hear us okay now? I, I think so. Gary, I've had everybody else on the Zoom call in one of my films. We're going to have to get you in one of my new movies. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Bite School 2. Bite School 2. Yeah. yeah. Do it on yeah. What I want to specifically ask, James, though, because um, in, in the B documentary, too, uh, most people are saying, you know, just go out there and make your own movie, like James says. You know, you could... You could do even like Nick said, he filmed some of the movie on, on you know, the phone and stuff. Uh, there's a couple people who contrast that. Joe Bob Briggs and, um, and Adam Green talk about, you know, should definitely go to film school. Uh, so I just like to get your opinion on that because, you know, you talk about it in the documentary, but I think you're a perfect, uh, you did go to film school, but you also went out there and just made your own movie. So you're kind of a combination of, of both of those. Yeah. Well, uh, after taking out Lloyd Kaufman's trash, for a year <laughs> uh, to film school and uh, I made my own movie and then I fell into distribution where I had to keep making movies because I had a distributor that wanted content. So uh, 18 feature films later, here I am still making out film after film after film and uh, I make a lot of these films on the road. That's how I met Kevin. We did a show in Kansas was it? I think it was so Kansas City. Crypticon, right? Crypticon. Yeah, Crypticon. Crypticon. Yeah. And uh, you know, I met uh, Matt and uh, Nick in Boston. And Neil, we're, we're somewhere, right? Um, I Arizona. mean, we've known each other for a while. I think probably maybe a bad monster, or maybe uh, Days of the Dead, but at, at a convention, I'm sure. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, I mean, I've been making these movies through traveling and stuff like that. So, I, film school, I really learned how to edit in film school. You know, I learned the like 180 the technical rule side. before yeah. I was in film school. And really, what I learned thousands of dollars later was how to cut. And so that, that really helped me. But now there's YouTube tutorials, and I think making films is more uh, easier than it, than it was with digital media. So I'm actually going backwards. I'm shooting my next project on 16 millimeter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? really? Why, why did you make that decision? You know, I don't think digital has the weight of film. Like, I filmed on Floyd in film school. So... You know, shooting digital is a lot cheaper, but uh, like an 18 feature film, I'm a cinephile. You know, I love film and I love the look. I, I don't think making monster movies, which is primarily the monster looked on a digital medium as it does with film. Like you just get better uh, weight to lighting and, and so much with a, a film camera. And so that's why I'm you know well yeah i mean i i agree i mean i've i all of my films were shot on 35 every one of my films and um my television i, I i've shot digital on television it but you know missing persons when i did that series with with daniel trevante we shot that on 16 millimeter um because we wanted it to look like a documentary and right we wanted that documentary look and so we shot on 16 and you know then took the 16 to digital and did all our post-production digitally right um which is a nice look i mean you you can really get a really nice look and there's some great 16 millimeter cameras out there mm -hmm. yeah so what well, do you have a preference an, an Ariflex? what do you like I, I love Aeroflex. I mean, I think Aeroflex is, an, is just an amazing camera. We also used um, an Eclair. Uh-huh. Uh, and... I usually um, just eat the Eclair. That's I was thinking <laughs> the same joke, but I, I, I was... Waiting for James, I was waiting for James to tell a joke tonight, and there it was. <laughs> but, but, I mean, Aeroflex, nothing handles film like an Aeroflex. Yeah. I mean, um, we shot... Uh, I mean, Vice Squad was all shot on Airy, mm -hmm. and uh, but we, you know, we were shooting thirty-five. But it was uh, the nice part about Aeroflex is that Aeroflex makes enough cameras that you can actually, you know, handhold a, a thirty-five millimeter Aeroflex, and it's not much different except for the size of the magazines. So it's about the same as shooting with a sixteen. Yeah. So, but. Um, yeah, 16 is a great medium. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what I'm going for for the next one. So, No, it's very exciting. Cool. Yeah. You know, the difference is the lenses. I mean, but mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's something we should – if you want to talk on a one-on-one, -on -one, we can talk about lenses. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, you can, but, you can buy his master class. Everybody, <laughs> out, everybody out there will be bored. Well, I do do a master class about lenses. And um, I, which I, which I've done at universities, and uh, that, that I like a pain in the glass to me, Gary. What is that? <laughs> that sounds like a pain in the glass to me. A pain in the glass. <laughs> 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 
I am pun. <laughs> Boo! Someone no, no. call the pun police. Here's the pun yeah. go to jail. He'd be doing life by now if there was the pun. <laughs> <laughs> Might be on death row. I don't know. But, but you know, I, I, lenses are something that I've always really found is a is a really very very important part of filmmaking. The choice of lenses doesn't have to do with the size of the shot you want to do. It has to do with the depth of the shot that you want to do. So you can always move a camera closer or further away. Lens and, is the perspective. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's and it it's this. You know, you know, you're talking about 35 millimeter. The reason that 35 millimeter became the format that was the standard of making movies is because the retina of our human eye is the same size as a 35 millimeter negative, the frame. And the lens in front of it, a human lens is anywhere from a 35 to a 50 millimeter lens on a 35 millimeter format. So that's why you call when you put a 50 millimeter lens on a 35 millimeter camera, it's called normal. Because if you take like an Aeroflex and you put a 50 on an Aeroflex and you put it up to one eye, and open the other eye, you're seeing exactly the same thing. The depth mm -hmm. is the same. The angle of perception is the same. The angle of acceptance is the same. And and so psychologically, when you put a normal lens on a camera and you're seeing what the eye sees, it, it talks to your audience. And anything else is an abstraction. But as I said, that's a whole other. It's like it's like when guitarists get a new effect, you know? Yes. Like, you know, a real long lens. That's a, like a wah-wah pedal would be for a guitarist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or going into a wide lens and moving it in close. Yeah. It's funny yep. Kevin, Kevin says that because um, I used to, like, I play the guitar and I've had so many different types of pedals. I had the wah-wah. I had the distortion pedal. Um, it's, it's the same thing for films, too, as well. Yep. Effects, an effect, whatever effect it is, is only meant as a highlight, not for the steady diet. You know, not yeah, for right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's what digital does to us. Digital gives us all this crap that we don't need. You know, it's like my, my wife surprised me with a Yamaha keyboard so that I could play wherever I, wherever I go. And I mean, it's a full size, it's a full size keyboard, like a real piano and it's weighted keys, but it's got all these things on it. You can make it sound like an organ. You can make it sound like, like a, a guitar. You can make it sound like a saxophone. A horn I, go, saxophone. I, don't, I don't need all of that. I just want it to sound like a piano. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Angela, we didn't get to talk too much to you yet. So, Angela, what was it like to uh, to, to film uh, B documentary two? And had you, what's your background in in camera work? Oh God, okay. Yeah, put on the screen. Um, I know. Um, I this is my first time, and I I absolutely loved it. Um, I remember Nick. He had called me. He's like, "Hey, we're going to Jersey. We're going to the." Which which festival? Uh, the horror the horror show in New Jersey. Yeah, the horror show, and uh, he's like, we're we're gonna film Kevin and Laurie, and I was like, okay, and uh, you know, we were just learning his 
the new camera that he got for his birthday. Um, and of course, he broke the battery to that. <laughs> it did. That's another camera malfunction. I had to buy a $400 camera before we went there. Was that the same yep. battery that died out with Gary? Yeah, you can blame it at me. No, no, different camera. Different camera. I went through three different cameras to make this fucking movie. (laughs) Yeah, it was was so. Oh my god! But I mean, it was so fun. Like Nick was like, "Hey, you could just hold the camera." Like I and I enjoyed it. I learned a lot from from filming uh, Lynn and Kevin and who else? Tiffany, Tiffany Shepard. I don't care as well. and then from there, each person that we, we kept meeting up with, we, you know, he would ask the questions and I would film and I had fun. Even like Jane's movie, like it was so fun filming that too. Like, yeah, it was fun. Catch of the day two. Kevin's in no, Catch of the day one. He is. So we got to bring Kevin right. back for three. It's scary. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was only in one movie. I don't think he wants me back. He's like, you're just terrible. Uh, <laughs> you're going to star in the next one, Neil. All right. And, uh, there you go. I'm, gonna re- I'm recording this. So I'm going to save that. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I- I'm, uh, I'm 160 pounds heavier in-, in Cool as Hell, too. And I gained all that weight just for James Balsamo. He's just for that, <laughs> that demanding of a director. Right? <laughs> well, congratulations on losing it all. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, really you, look, good. you look great, man. Thank you, I appreciate yeah. it. Neil does oh. look good. He looks great. As so, a, James, James, you know how to get a hold of me, right? No. I I can't reach through the phone. You tell me, Gary. Actually, well, I can, I can, I can send James. James I can keep you guys Gary. connected. Gary, I can, yeah. send, um, I can send James your email if you want. You guys want yeah, to that, that would be fine. Cool. Yeah, or you can use the talk at Gary Sherman Films as well, at GaryShermanFilms.com. But or you can give him my regular email, which we won't announce on the air here. Actually, can you, Gary, real quick, can you tell us your phone number? <laughs> social security How number? Me? <laughs> my, my security bank routing number. Right. I put, should, I, should I hold some of my credit cards up to the camera here? <laughs> yeah. hey, why, why don't we all? We should all do something. Let's all get together and do something. If James got something coming up, why don't we all get together and do something? That'd be fucking nope, cool. No? Because we're not allowed to at the moment, I think. But we're but, not allowed but, to. Yeah. But yeah, wait, I like wait. the idea, though. Yeah, right, I, we'll, I like the we'll idea in theory. It. Once the plague I, is over, it would be good. I haven't Once been since March twelfth. My wife is the only person that I've been in a room with. Oh, really? <laughs> Since March 12th. Yeah, uh-huh. well, I don't want that virus. March 13th was my birthday, and it was like from there on, I, it was just the whole corona stuff. Friday 13th, uh-huh. that was supposed to be my special day. Happy yeah. birthday. Oh, <laughs> Well, we all had our birthdays messed up this year. Oh, everybody! Oh, yeah. Mine was in February, so it was just right before it all happened. So I actually oh, had a nice birthday. Screw you, Neil! There you go. Yeah, you know what? It was Daniel Travanti, who you know, Daniel J. It was his. It was his 80th birthday, like three weeks before the coronavirus hit, and we had a yeah. big party for him. 
Oh, uh, which was really nice that we got to have the party before. Yeah. Isolation. Yeah. Uh, Earlier, you know, someone mentioned that, you know, making movies is easier now just because, you know, you can have the equipment and stuff. But I would think that would also make it harder to stand out because uh, if everyone can, in theory, make a movie, then how do you stand out? So especially uh, younger guys here, Matthew Fisher, like, uh, how do you go about trying to get your thing? uh, I'll just say it's Uh easier technically to make a movie. But it's just as hard to make a good movie. Yeah. There you go. And even though that filmmaking has been democratized by by digital, it still doesn't help you make a good movie. Mm-hmm. True. I think though, even if you made a good movie, it's also going to be hard to get it out there uh, for to get to people to notice it to begin with to know that it's good. Uh, th- there's lots of platforms. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for people to just to click on it and watch it to begin with, even if it's it is uh, even if it's on Redbox and all these other platforms. That's true. It's got to have a reason, and somebody's got to get behind it and promote it. It's like anything; it's all promotion. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. just a matter of advertising. Does word of uh, mouth help? Like, let's say you do make a great movie. Uh, you know, I think social media helps. It definitely does help. Social media does definitely help. Yep. Matthew Fisher, do you have any words on this? Um. Yeah. Social media helps. What was the question? It's <laughs> about getting your getting your work out there for people to see it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, they're easier to make, but um. You know, I mean, they're still hard, hard to make. It's not a, you know. Yeah, I didn't make high. it. Yeah, I didn't make but, it. Um, I don't know what like you just. But yeah, there's yeah, a movie. There's, but. I, I get you, I get you, man. But uh, like, yeah, with streaming and YouTube and stuff like that, it's probably I don't know. I I can only speak for like for like us uh, with the underground. Like underground might be a little harder to make money off of your film now because you almost have to put it out there free to get the big big groups of people to see it. I feel, but that's just my opinion. Um, yeah. And I mean, uh, the, James, I know he's, he's a very fun guy, but I mean, that is, a, it works for him though, because, you know, being that character, you know, people know him at the conventions and we make appearances so James, and it brings people James to is the check best. stuff out. James is the best. He's got a lot of people fooled. No, no, no. He's a good guy. no James is a good guy. But uh, I talked about this with James on the show recently, but uh, without the uh, the personal appearances now of conventions and stuff, uh, yeah, I know it's kind of early to, to say like how that's going to affect anybody, but how do you think that will affect you and in, in, in your filmmaking? Talking to me? Yeah, or anyone in general. <laughs> you talking to me? Hey, hey you talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? He's talking to me. <laughs> Dude, well, so. Yes, James. Talking to you. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, I'm currently three other feet. So I've been social distance filming with a mask on, mm-hmm. uh, shooting cameos, like, filmed with Miss uh, Qual from the third show the other day. So. You know, as long as I keep six feet away from people and I'm hiding behind my uh, my camera, I think 
Okay. Yeah, I'm I doing like small uh, well, shoots. Yeah, yeah, I meant more like once it's done, you know, you don't have the conventions now to, to go out there and promote the movie. Is that going to affect your movies? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm probably just going to do more digital advertising because uh, I have the same distributor as Fox, so my stuff goes Walmart, Best Friends, and Noble, so I just have to do more paid commercial adding as opposed to going out the trenches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once conventions come back, though, I assume they'll do pretty good just with the fact that everybody's going to be wanting, I think more people will be wanting to get out there in public yeah. more and support artists again. You know what I mean? I think they'll be, oh, yeah. they'll, they'll be more appreciative of, the, of it because they yeah. lost it for so long that they'll be happy to have it back. Yeah. I think they'll be more supportive in that sense of it. Yeah. I hope you're right. I miss yeah. festivals and conventions. Uh, both. The main thing yeah. I miss is going, yeah. uh, just even just going to the movies, but yeah, going to festivals, conventions. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to leave you guys. I've got okay. People yeah, to I just want to. All right, so. I want to wrap this up. Uh, so, but anyway, it was great to. Uh, great. Uh, you're the only person here I've never met before, so it's uh, very cool to meet you, Gary. It was nice to meet you. Kevin, Kevin, Gary, James, Matt, Angela. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Man. It's good to talk okay, to everybody. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to break up the party, but... <laughs> damn it, Gary. It's all my fault. <laughs> well, I do want to ask Nick one last question. So you, if you want to take that? off, that's cool. And that is, uh, you said B-Documentary 3, your next one will be the last one. Why is it the last uh, of the B-Documentaries? Uh, I just think it's time to move on from it. I mean, I've, I've just like sitting with everyone here tonight and prior and going forward, we got Joe Estevez, Debbie Rashawn. We get a lot of, uh, our child junior. Um, I don't know. I think it's just time to move on from it. I, I, I love doing it. A lot of traveling, a lot of planes, trains and automobiles, but, um, I think this is it. And just going forward, you know, I'm, I'm very, very happy with what I've done. Mm-hmm. I just think it's time to do something different. What what uh, what do you see in the in the in the future? Uh, more more of a feature film. No more no more B documentaries or shorts. It's just going to be one film and just do my time for that. Cool. All right. And uh, Matt, what, what what do you have coming up? Me, um, I got a feature we're, we're we're hoping to do before the COVID came to town. So we're going to hopefully get that going again. Um, yeah, and just continue making movies and putting them out and hoping for the best, Neil. You know how it is. Excellent. Yeah. I'm, I've not been in a Matthew Fisher movie. You're in the next movie. Huh? We got you. Don't All worry. Right. Very good. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, James Balsami, you can watch a whole interview I did with him last week, so you can find out all the stuff he's got coming out. But if you didn't see that, uh, where can people find what James Balsamo is up to? Go to acidbathproductions.com or find me on the internet, James Balsamo, I want to be your friend. Or get my books, Total Punishment and Puns of Peril, available <laughs> at Barnes & Noble. Uh-huh. <laughs> my last convention, I was uh, our booth was right next to James Balsamo, and I heard many, many puns for, for three Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it was a good time. Uh, Kevin, uh, I know you probably don't have the uh, the stone carving uh, this this summer. I don't know. No, I think it's going to be canceled. But if anyone would like to check out my work, 
KevinVinich.com. I like that. That's I like good. that. That's very good. Someone's glowing. Professional. Yeah. Like a little mini retrospective yeah. of, yes. of my sculpture. I was gonna. I, I have a Blyle that I carved on stone that Kevin taught me. It's in my flower bed outside. I was gonna put it here, but I think it's too heavy for my bookshelf. But you've posted shots. I of have that. pictures of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> very happy. And uh, Angela, uh, where can people follow you? And uh, I assume you're working on B Documentary Three with uh, Nick. Yes, I am. Very excited. Uh, just Angela. Make sure his camera Facebook. works. If not, I have mine. All right. All right. Yeah. So yeah, she's got she's got my back. She's got all my right. back. Very good. And if this really camera I have shit to do right now, I I just might throw in the towel if my next camera shit's bad. <laughs> I can't afford another one. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right, right, Kevin. All right. Well, thanks everybody, and thanks for coming. Yes, up thank you, you everybody. Wait, oh, Gary, did Gary want to do something? Oh yeah, uh, Gary did, did did some plugging, but yeah, we to tell everybody again. Uh, oh, well, I'll just repeat. If you want me to read a script of yours, just email me at uh, talk at GaryShermanFilms dot com. Excellent. Okay. Very good. Talk to you later. Yep. Okay. Bye, everybody. Later. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, bye guys. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Later. Fun. Later, 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 later.